0: Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well,
1: a pleasant good morning to you. Especially if you are a Cincinnati Reds fan. And that's just what I am. I'm a Reds fan. Good morning. We're back. Better than ever. On Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers, it's also known as UDF, around these parts. We come your way every single day, Monday through Friday, from 10 to 12 P. p. And you can join us in a plethora of ways. You can always search on YouTube, Off the Bench, Chatterbox Sports, and or you can listen to us in podcast form. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and as he would say, you are dialed in. There's only one place to really start. You know where it is. You know what I'm talking about. Great American ballpark. Bottom of the eighth. 0-1. One out. And two on.
0: Lifted to right.
1: We've got the longest copyright claim in the history of YouTube and there's no reason to stop now. We'll just add it on. Listen, you can call him whatever you want. You want to call him Bick, Stick, Nick? Go ahead. Some call him Nick Martini. I call him Houdini. You might call him Moderna Martini. I don't know what you want to call him. Maybe you call him the babe. Whatever it is, he's provided this team the life support they desperately needed. Who of all people would have thought Nick Martini's going to be that guy? His three run home run tied the game at six, setting up a MLB leading 44 comeback win for your Cincinnati Reds.
0: To Encarnacion Strand, swinging a bouncing ball through the right side base hit. Here comes De La Cruz, the plate. Here comes the throw, not in time reds win it seven to six cardiac kids the rally and reds do it again on this homestand that's the <laughs> third walk off alone unbelievable the reds rally to beat the seattle mariners who came into this series in first place in a very tight american league west and with this win, the Reds improved
2: to 13 and 1. What an unbelievable piece of hitting by DAL CES. Wins.
1: What an unbelievable piece of hitting by CES. But you know what? There's so many other unsung heroes on this team that we'll get into here in just a bit. Names like Stevenson, Marte, Legamina, Shreve, Jabot, Antone. You know you're playing meaningful baseball. When you have a highly touted prospect like Connor Phillips, one of Connor Phillips that people were begging for earlier this year, thought that he might be the savior that this pitching staff needed. He goes out there, has his MLB debut, and he's not even part of the storyline. That's how you know you're playing meaningful baseball. The Reds sit alone in the last spot of the wild card. They're a half game ahead of the Marlins, a full game over the Diamondbacks after they lost to the Rockies. They're two games clear of the Giants. Might I remind you, the Reds have tiebreakers over the Diamondbacks, but they do lose the tiebreaker over the Marlins and the Giants, so keep that in mind. If you did any digging on uh, social media last night at all, you've seen some rumblings. Some rumblings in the jungle. Joe Burroughs contract is it imminent? Is that the word that I'm seeing? It's imminent. Joe's, Joe's parents are in town. Joe talks to the media on Wednesdays. You add it all up. Is it a conspiracy theory or is it maybe just maybe that time? It has to be that time, right? Can we just use our brains for just a second here? Think about it. Just logically. I've been screaming and yelling and barking into this microphone for weeks about how he would be an absolute lunatic if he plays one single down this season without a contract. It makes no sense at all that he plays this year with a contract. Without a contract, excuse me. Not just for him, but also for the Cincinnati Bengals. He he genuinely, I mean this seriously, He would be taking a bigger risk without playing with a contract than me, you, and the rest of this office trying to fly all the way around the globe on Spirit Airlines. Nonstop. That's how big of a risk, and without really a better vocabulary, to my knowledge, a big of an idiot he would be without playing, without a contract. There's no way he's going to do it. He's going to get it done, and I think the deal is coming to an end. It's right there at the finish line. It might happen during the show. It might not. I don't know, but we'll talk about it if it does. And if it doesn't, guess what? We'll talk about it. The reason I like to talk about it isn't so much about is it going to happen or not going to happen, but I'd like to discuss what does he prioritize? What do we think that he's going to actually prioritize? There's been this discussion around Cincinnati about Joe Burrow taking a team-friendly deal. What does that exactly mean? We'll talk about that. Reed has a list, which is probably going to be either one of two things great or terrible. There's no in between with him. With that said, though, seems like it was just last night, a few hours ago, which I guess quite frankly it was, that I was screaming and yelling, and the Cincinnati Reds have provided more joy this season than I don't know when. Reed, that's a shame that you can't enjoy it, but I do know that you're at least appreciating it to a small extent. The comeback Reds, 44th time. How you feeling over there?
3: Uh, good morning, Trace. I'm 27 years old, 6 foot tall, 205 pounds. And when I was a kid, my dad used to ask my friends if I was gay. But yeah, um, <laughs> the Reds are playing great baseball right now. It's exciting. Like, I, all my friends and family are Reds fans. As much as I like to, to be the troll, as much as I like to, to be the, the, the jester or the, the, the contrarian in the room, um, which is fun. But if I'm being honest, it's really cool to see how exciting everyone is because the Reds are exciting. It doesn't make any sense. Nick Martini saving a team season is a sentence that shouldn't exist. But it does. It does exist. So it's really cool.
2: Yeah, that was a great story you told earlier on before you started speaking. That was really good. Uh, but I'm, I'm very excited. Last night was one of the most preposterous wins. in this season, I mean, Trace, Trace said it, 44 comeback wins. And, I, and I, I, I'll maybe find the stat, but I saw, like, the lowest percentage of wins. Last night was a top five. Uh, lowest percentage chance the Reds had to win a baseball game at 7%. It's just like this team, maybe, maybe in my lifetime, I haven't experienced anything like this where a team is just never really, like, dominating the games but somehow finding ways to win. This seems like the first time in my life where that's happened. So it's pretty awesome. Last night they had no business winning. I mean, shout-out to Connor Phillips. He tried his best. He gave up five runs, two home runs, uh, carried all five, of the, five, all five of the runs. So, I mean, it wasn't a horrible start. But it's like, like again, like Trace said, shout-out Trace. It's, he was not even a part of the story at the end of the game. I mean, you forgot he, you forgot he pitched. You forgot Connor Phillips started that game by the, by the time everything was done. So, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, I'm on top of the world right now.
1: You know who had it all along? You know who's been saying it in this office for weeks that this was going to happen? It's Casey McAllister. The guy said that they were going to win 90 games. Is that going to happen? I don't know. But uh, you know what? At this point, you start to take a step back and you start to look around and you start to say, well, maybe, just maybe, he knows ball. Casey, are you going to take your victory, uh, a victory lap now or later? Or
0: where are we at in this whole this whole debacle? Well, first off. Hello, fans. I no longer have to peek in between monitors anymore, (laughs) so you get to finally see me. I'm here. Uh, Second, um, no, I'm not going to take the victory lap right now. I'm going to wait because what I said was that they would win 90 games. They might not get there. It's a tough road. Not really because it's September and they play nobodies. But, I mean, I think there's a serious chance that they can at least – compete for that spot in the division. I mean, it's not really that far away in the grand scheme of things.
2: Five and a half back. Five and a half back. It's really not
0: that far away, especially if they do get on a, just a crazy win streak here. I mean, it's not that unrealistic, in my opinion. But. In the division? 60-1 to one right now.
1: Fair enough.
2: Casey, Casey predicted the downfall of the Reds while simultaneously predicting... A historic run in September, which included a nine-game winning streak, which started at the Mariners series. He the, he said that we would sweep the Mariners, sweep the Cardinals, is it the Pirates after that? Whoever it is after that, he was three straight series sweeps. That's yeah. what Casey McAllister predicted, and right now we're on pace.
3: What's What's funny is when Casey made that prediction, Elliot was all over him saying, "Brother." I promise if, you don't, if we lose seven of the next nine series, we're, we're not going to be in playoff contention. We're done.
2: We're done. The season's over. Yeah, Pack I mean, it up. We're fair, going home. I mean, anybody with a brain or some semblance of it can rationally assume that when you, when you say a team's going to lose six of eight series, they're probably not going to finish the year well. <laughs> but I was wrong. Casey just has some kind of weird magic going on in his little brain. Look at that Viking helmet of his. So, yeah, that's where we are. But I'm very excited. Meaningful baseball in September.
1: Well, one thing I just noticed with the new producer's desk is my man's definitely going to get, uh, he's going to have to get some light over there. We're going to have to get some light to him yeah. and then they, uh, we're going to have to figure out how to white balance the cameras over there. It's because it's looking a little yellowy, but that's okay. That's why we're here. That's why we'll figure it out on the fly. But nonetheless, um, I do want to start because I think to a certain extent, the Cincinnati Red Lake talk is something that, uh, I kind of want to get in towards the end of the show. Um, I, I think. Perhaps we're we're glossing over a, a, a plethora amount of things that have happened that have allowed the Reds to continue to do what they do. Yes, Mark, Nick Martini's been unbelievable, uh, but there's other guys that are starting to play well that I think I think you could make you could make an argument that if they continue to play just at the level that they're playing at, like a Tyler Stevenson, that that does give this Reds team an actual chance to do some damage in the postseason. There's only so much quite frankly, that these rookies are going to be able to sustain, be able to continue to do we're going to have to at some point rely on somebody that has played this game longer than than the amount of time that these rookies have. Let's not forget, these rookies have never played baseball this long in their entire lives. Uh, Will that end up catching up to them? I don't know. It definitely seemed like it was a couple weeks ago, but maybe just like runners, maybe they got their second win. I don't know. Or that's just me being... A fan and I'm not being able to put my blinders take my blinders off and realize that it's just been a couple good days of baseball, but I'm gonna continue to, to fight the good fight. Uh were they fortunate to split with the Cubs? You're damn right they were fortunate to split with the Cubs. Uh were they fortunate to win last night? They were. But it just seems like sometimes there's teams that are just made of destiny and perhaps that's what this Cincinnati Reds team is. All right. Uh there there is an opportunity and a possibility, fellas. That at some point during the show, Joe Burrow signs the largest contract in NFL history. It's possible. Some would say it's more than just, you know, I don't want to say realistic, but it's, but it's going to happen, right? Like, that's where I'm at at this point. I don't know why we have to act like, oh, is it going to happen, not going to happen. If you just take a step back and you think about all the dynamics that go into play with all of this, it makes sense that it takes – it's just like labor union negotiations right they, they never get a deal done three months before it's go time it always happens last second because everyone's trying to use the leverage that they have or the leverage they perceive to have and quite frankly that's what the Bengals are doing and that's what Joe Burrow is doing behind closed doors there's no doubt in my mind there's probably been meetings that have been kind of stopped halfway through and they've all say well we'll figure it out but I don't think we're really close we'll we'll we'll, we'll head back to our way and you'll head back your way These next few days are are crunch time, though. (laughs) Now it's the line of the sand, rubber meets the road. Whatever term that you want to use, it is that time. Joe Burrow is not going to play an NFL game this year without a contract. He shouldn't, and I don't know why he would want to. And honestly, as Casey's pointed out, based off of the cap and how you can manipulate it to a certain extent, there's no reason as to why the Bengals would not want to pay him either. So we're getting it. The question is, is what are we getting? Uh, there's no doubt it's going to be the largest or the biggest, whatever term you want to use, probably per year salary in uh, in MLB or MLB NFL history. Do you do you expect there to be? Is this maybe asking too much? Do you expect there to be a situation where it might be two guys? And I don't want to get people excited, but is there a chance where you you have the T. Higgins of the world or you have somebody else that's of of a relative name? That's a part of these discussions, and as soon as one domino falls, the other one falls pretty quickly, or no?
3: Yeah, I don't know if it's a domino situation perhaps like I, I know that's kind of what we've been waiting for we've been waiting for you know whether it be T or Jamar or Joe whoever's contract happens first like oh the all the other ones are going to get done right away I don't I don't necessarily fall into that camp I, I do think that there is you know some some substance to if everyone's reporting that something's coming out of the camp something's coming out of the Joe Burrow camp something's some buzz is coming from Paycor Stadium then yeah then the, then the contract will more than likely be done at some point this week I don't, I, I don't think it's going to be You know, Joe Burrow, and then, then an hour later, like, oh, yeah, and Jamar Chase signed an extension. Oh, yeah, and T. Higgins got a deal done. I don't think it's necessarily something like that.
2: No, I don't think so either. I, but it is fun to be at the center of the football world because that's right, that's right now where we are. The, the Cincinnati Bengals, for a long time, were kind of considered a joke. And right now, they're the, they're the kings of the sport. So all eyes on the Bengals, all eyes on Joe Burrow. If I had to guess, T. Higgins will not have a contract done uh by this season that's just that's just an assumption i have i think uh they're going to kind of play that by year but if you're going to sign joe burrow to the largest contract in the history of the sport i mean it's okay to i mean not rush to sign other guys because that's what it's going to be it is like trace said again shout out trace it is going to be the largest contract the sport has ever seen
3: the one thing it just can't be, and it's been rumored. It was rumored a long time ago, and there hasn't been any buzz from it for months. But at one point, people were talking about how Joe Burrow might be the first person to get one of those, um, get a percentage cut of the salary, cup, salary cap. That can't happen. I, first off, I, I don't even think it's legal. But there, were, there, there, was, there was talks about that for about a month as saying like Joe Burrow might be the first player ever to get a, a percentage of the salary cap. That handcuffs a team. So we can't have that happen.
1: Is it? I this is where obviously I do not know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the NFL rules, regulations, and all those things. But as a Lionel Messi type situation, and I know maybe I'm overselling this. Maybe perhaps Joe Burrow is not this valuable or those types of things could, could be argued. And I would actually agree that maybe Joe Burrow isn't this valuable, what I'm about to say is. But is it ever an option for some of these franchises and or cities to be able to provide something that's outside of just monetary that might be of good value to where at some point you 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 I guess the NFL doesn't want that to happen because that obviously kind of eliminates the salary cap situation which is probably but my point would be is if Mike Brown had an investment in some specific I don't want to say stock but some specific company that Joe Burrow then also was a part of, as a part of being able to sign as the, with the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm assuming that's illegal, because if it isn't, I'm, I'm guessing it would have happened already. But I just wonder, will we ever get to a point, and this brings me to my, my, uh, my main point with this, is, is we ever get to a point where fans and or, just like there's NIL collectives, there's something that's kind of built within cities and communities and fan bases that help try to keep guys in town And they are able to take a lesser deal. Like what if, and this is the NFL wouldn't be able to do anything about this, but what if, and this is a big what if, the the Bengals fan base had some crazy amount of, you know, membership pool and they legitimately had Joe Burrow as their spokesperson and they paid him a certain amount of money per year and like that helped manipulate it. I'm just saying, maybe I'm thinking outside the box way too much here on this, but it's just, I've always thought about that in sports.
2: Well that's you, cer- that's certainly illegal now.
3: Well it's not. Well it's against the rules in the NFL because like you said it would completely go against the salary cap. The whole point of the salary cap is that bigger bigger teams can't, you know, just circumference all of the valuable free agents, all the valuable players, and if you start taking things outside of the team, you start thinking about like, ah, maybe someone from the city could start giving them money similar to NIL, or or maybe they could get a cut from Mike Brown's investments, then all of a sudden the teams like the Dallas Cowboys, the teams in New York, who certainly have a lot more money in the city than, than good old the Queen City of Cincinnati, Ohio... Um, those, those teams would then dominate free agent markets so it would completely go against the whole salary
2: cap. Well, it's been my idea for a long time that MLB, or I guess just because I'm a Reds fan more, it would just, I would love to Venmo Nick Crawl some money for a, a good free agent. I've had that idea for a long time. Tax levy. I'd, lo- I'd love to. Hit Nick crawl here's a 20, and we all chip in a 20, and we all go get Aaron Judge. That's, I, think, I think that would be serviceable. I don't think it's legal, and I don't think it would work, and I think the owners would hate it. But it would work. I think it would be fun. I think it would be fun. I think Patrick Mahomes kind of did that. No, when he bought the Royals. I mean, I guess it's. I guess it's a little bit different. Well, that's because his he's, own investment. Yeah, that that's has nothing yeah to do with the team. But that's. I mean, it's similar, right? I mean, he kind of. I, mean, I guess not really. But no. it, he he purchased the Kansas City Royals immediately after that contract. So or not not the whole Royals, but the part of the uh, ownership stake there in Kansas City. So something like that, I guess, could work.
3: How much of of, not to get on a side tangent, but how much like is Patrick Mahomes actually owning the Royals? Or is that just a publicity stunt from the Royals to get like the most popular guy in town to be like, Oh, he's got a little, he's got a little piece of the Royals. We can't do anything wrong. Cause Patrick Mahomes is on our side.
1: Good point. That let's, might be the best marketing see. tactic there is in Kansas city. Cause if you've watched the Royals play this year, there's nothing that can save them. Mm-hmm. They are brutal,
2: brutal to watch. He uh, bought a 1% share in the team.
3: Yeah. So that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. He's, he's the poster child of, of, royals ownership
2: i mean one
1: percent how much of the royals uh it's,
2: it's how, a 10 million dollar investment
1: okay how much of the royals worth
2: he paid for zach granke yeah
1: that's
3: about
2: it <laughs> all I, right let's see hold on how you many you can dig that
1: up and while you're digging that up um i guess the w- w- we'll send it over to the uh the, the resident nfl guru himself maybe that's maybe that's putting a little too much of a pedestal 1.2 was, two bill one, two, one so he owns he owns one percent of 1.2 billion dollars that, that seems like a pretty decent amount of Money. Yeah, it's $10 million. I mean, so, yeah. I don't, you know, hey, no big deal. All right, Casey, you've been screaming and yelling about it. It's not just about Joe Burrow. It's not just about Joe Burrow. It's about the Cincinnati Bengals. They have to sign him because X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. Do you want to get into that? Do you want to explain what your thought is on this situation? Do you think Joe Burrow plays one snap, one single snap, without this contract done?
0: Oh, man. I mean, it's hard to tell. I think he's going to play. I mean, they... Both him and Higgins said that they were going to play and not worry about the contract, that the contracts were coming. Um, I don't know if that was because they knew that it was coming soon or that they felt like they were in a position where they were comfortable with saying that. We are less than seven days away. I I can't do the math in my head. Five days away from the game. And... uh, the Bengals just need to get this done for for both camps. I mean, they can spread out cat pits if they extend Burrow now. That makes you able to sign guys like Higgins to uh, a big deal, um, front load their contracts. And um I mean it just makes sense, right? I don't I don't know if maybe like what, what you said was earlier that they're both trying to use their leverage leverage to the very last moment. Um, And maybe that's what it is. It's just really hard for me to believe though, that Burrow is like you said, not going to play on a contract this year. It's just, there's too much risk involved in, in his camp, right? I'm not saying he will do that or won't do that because he's already said he would play, but it doesn't make sense. It, it, there, there's there's something amiss here. There's something wrong. We don't know what it is. Maybe we'll find out here in a minute. I, I'm constantly refreshing Twitter, my notifications to make sure that uh, we don't miss any news here. But you want to say something, Marine? No. Go yeah. ahead. Well, anyways, yeah. That's just. There's something. I don't know what it is.
2: And he today. got engaged, and he definitely did get engaged. Nice. So,
3: Congratulations, Joe.
2: So, Joe Burrow, I mean, you don't really propose to your wife unless you have a big financial commitment. It's true. That's, that's, still, true. that's what people are saying. <laughs> I, I tell you what. I've never been shot before, but if it comes
3: out today that Joe Burrow and the Bengals can't get a deal done and Joe Burrow's going to hold out until a deal is done and, they, and, they, and he's not going to play this Sunday, that's got to be what a slug from a shotgun feels like. like that will that end, won't happen. That will end me.
2: That not well, Don't worry about it. Then that I don't happen. think
3: it's
1: going to happen. Listen, I, 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 that's not what I mean by any of this holding out thing. I don't. I, I just don't think that's the case. I definitely think that they're both negotiating the final parts of it. And anytime there's a there's a huge negotiation, the funny thing is, is it's um. It's a weird spot to be in life when both sides of the aisle know they need each other in a way, right? Joe Burrow is valuable, yes in his own regard one would argue he doesn't need the cincinnati bengals but i would push back on that a little bit there's some comfortability there he has playmakers around him that that he obviously appreciates being around every single day he's had success in cincinnati he probably i would like to think that he enjoys his time here he's 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 in a spot where if you want to go somewhere else man best of luck to you it doesn't always work out I know Joe Burrow, people probably will look look at Joe Burrow and see his play and think automatically Joe Burrow can go anywhere and have success. I just, I don't know if I believe that. Mm -hmm. I really don't. And I, I guess to a certain extent, I'm admitting something, which is you have to have a good team, period, in order to have success at all. Right? And Joe Burrow, quite frankly, without an offensive line, has been maybe the quarterback, the best quarterback I've ever seen to perform well. Without being able to have any kind of protection. But I think that's going to get better. They've tried to address that. You can't fault the franchise. and You can't fault the franchise one second anymore about his protection. They've done everything they humanly possibly could have done to try to help protect him. So now you have to ask... Would Joe Burrow want to leave? The answer is no. Of course he doesn't want to leave. Like, just use your brain for half a second and realize, no, that's a good place to be as the Cincinnati Bengals. He's had success there. And then the second part of it is what Casey just said. The risk of playing without a contract is so crazy. It's so crazy that I couldn't even fathom doing it. I really couldn't in my own mind. Like, you just can't do it. You can say it in the press conference that, you're, that you're, you're cool with playing without a deal done. And that sounds all damn good and well. But it's the same concept as this. You don't know what you would do until you're offered the money. The same thing, not to jump all over the place, but the same thing can be said about live and those golfers. Until you're actually given the money and the money's right in front of your face, you don't know what you would do and neither do I. You might say that you love this specific thing in your life. Pick your biggest hobby, pick your thing that you love the most. I love, I love golfing. If you told me I couldn't golf for the rest of my life, there's almost nothing that you could possibly do to say, I'm not, I'm a hard pass for me. I'm going to continue playing. I don't know though, if you offered me yachts and a billion dollars and all these things, I might just think just like that, man. You know what? I think I could go without playing golf again. And that's where I'm at with Joe Burrow. The amount of money we're talking about that he can sign for in the next hour if he wanted to is so much money that it's generational changing. His, his great-grandkids' great-grandkids are going to be probably living off of that type of money. You can't allow yourself to go out there and have some fluke, freak, crazy injury happen to you and ruin, and I say ruin, but quite frankly, ruin the opportunity to make that much money. So I, I hearken back, I take a step back. I say, Hey, everybody relax. Think about this logically for just a second. They're just playing a little cat and mouse here at the end. It's a little cute flirting. You know, it's just a little flirt back and forth. And then they're going to say, all right, let's get the deal done. We don't have any more time to waste. Let's sign it. Let's get it out of the way and let's move on. And that's what has to happen before Sunday. And that's what's going to happen before Sunday. And if it doesn't, I'll say I'm wrong. I'll say, I cannot believe it because it would truly baffle me. Rarely do you get a situation in life where both sides, it makes perfect sense to keep, you know, to keep a deal together and finish it because usually one side has leverage. I don't know if either size has a ton of leverage here. They both have about equal leverage. Joe could say he's not going to play. And then all of a sudden, Mike Brown and and KD and the whole gang down there at Paycor would be going through craziness and trying to figure out how to make him happy, this, that, and the other. But let's be honest, Joe Burrow's reputation is going to take a hit with the fan base. It would. I don't, and I think he knows that. I don't think he wants that. Am I being wrong about that? Like, genuinely, if Joe Burrow said he's going to hold out, there's going to be a – I don't want to say how big, but there will be a portion of this fan base that is going to be upset at Joe Burrow for the first time ever.
2: No, that's correct. If he if he says that he is going to hold out for more money, he would absolutely be ridiculed by this fan base. He, he, would, be, he would be ostracized. I mean, that it, it's just a fact. It's just a fact. And, and you saw what happened with Lamar Jackson, and I think it's a little bit different, but at the same time – when your star quarterback is unwilling to take any kind of deal, when you know it's going to be a big – like it's not like – if we knew Joe Burrow was going to make 10 cents on the dollar, then it's a different story. But Joe Burrow is going to be paid – he's going to be offered the highest-paid contract of all time. And if he were to not accept that for an even bigger deal, I'd have an issue with it. The fan base would have an issue with it. At some point, it becomes, all right, Joe's going to get what he deserves. That's great. But he also can't rob the Cincinnati Bengals.
3: I think Joe has so much equity in, in the relationship with, with his fans right now that he's got way more um, leverage in this situation. Because, I mean, if, if he straight up tells the Bengals that he's not going to play – they are handcuffed. <laughs> they are handcuffed right then and there. I think they have a lot more leverage in that case. Like, I think the Bengals would then just go like, all right, we need you on the field. We need you there on Sunday. I really think that he has so much equity with the fans. And, and yeah, the Bengals could then come out and say, listen, this is what we offered. It's the highest paid contract of all time. He said no. Yeah, we might be a, a little jaded, but then we're just going to be like, yeah, I don't care. Just pay him. Like, get him on the field. Let's win some ball games."
1: I I have, you know, this is, to be honest, let's be very clear, right? We're having fun here. It, it, it's a, uh, I think it's Wednesday at this point. I don't know what yeah, day it is, nope. but it's a Wednesday morning, okay? The Bengals play this Sunday. The Reds just came off an unbelievable win. This is all fun, okay? Is this, <laughs> is this probably happening? No. What I'm about to say is a little more gesture, and I want, your, I want you just to think about this for a half a second. I do think, though, I do think, though, that if Mike Brown came out and said, listen, we offered Joe the highest paid contract in NFL history, and his team wants to continue to hold out, and there's not a whole lot left we can do. The, ball's in, the, the ball is literally in Joe's court. If he wants to play, he can play, and when he decides to play, he'll be the, he'll be the highest paid man in NFL history. If he did that, I'm telling you, I would be shocked. In fact, let's make it the poll question of the day. Why not? Would Joe Burrow be the victim or the victim's not the word I'm, I'm looking for? Would you for. rather,
2: are you going to blame Mike Brown or are you going to blame Joe Burrow?
1: Yeah, if, if, if Joe, if Mike Brown basically says that he's going to be the highest paid man in NFL history and he turns it down, which side would you be on, the Bengals or Joe Burrow? I, I I I know what you're saying, Reed, and I do think he has a lot of equity because of who he is and what he's done, and he's brought this fan base so much happiness that they've never had before that you got it, you gotta you gotta be honest with yourself. He does have as much equity as a player's probably ever had, maybe ever, in right. NFL history outside of Tom Brady and the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I just think I just think that the fan base would, would be like, you know what? I mean, how much money does this this guy need? Because this is a blue this is a Midwest blue collar type of community that's what the midwest is for the most part they the, like it or not most times the working class man doesn't want to hear about the, the the millionaire's problems and that's to a small extent what i feel like joe burrow would 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 pose if he decides to hold out and again i don't want to make it sound like he's going to i'm just throwing out the hypothetical that if he did would joe burrow get slandered i think he would i really do
3: i, I, I let me clarify. Yeah, we'd, be, we, we'd feel a little less than we feel about Joe Burrow right now. But if there was a holdout situation and we had to pick sides in, in, in this, in, in a feud, I would just willingly throw my hands up and say, I don't understand people. I don't understand the city. I don't understand psychology. If based on my whole entire history of fandom with the Cincinnati Bengals, if people started siding with Mike Brown over Joe Burrow, and if be, that happened, I would, I, I, just would genuinely throw my hands up. And he, would have to come
2: out, he would have to come out and say what the contract was. To be clear, yes. That's, that's my main question
1: here. Really quickly, I'll let you finish your point. My main point to this poll question is very, very clear. There is a dispute, and Mike Brown literally comes out and says that Joe Burrow would be the highest paid NFL contract in history, and then there, what's your decision? Because otherwise, it's, it's going to be the Bengals.
2: Correct. <laughs> Correct. So if, if, Mike, if, if Joe Burrow is the first one to respond to these, I guess in this hypothetical, it would be allegations or whatever you want to call it. If Joe Burrow was the first one to speak on this and say, yeah, they didn't offer me what I was worth, then every single blame is on the Bengals and Mike Brown. There would be protests. There would be riots. But if Mike Brown were to come out in this, in this sp- specific hypothetical and say, he's the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL if he accepts – then, yeah, that's on Joe Burrow. That would be on Joe Burrow. And I don't think anybody would really have a reason to fault Mike Brown at that point. So, But it would be interesting. It would be fun. Actually, it wouldn't be fun. I don't fun. think it would be fun at all. No, but it would, would be fun at all. Yeah, but it would be so chaotic. Experience. It would be so chaotic it would be kind of fun. Just I don't to, think it would be Just fun. to see the franchise burn to the ground. That yeah. would, Because that's what would happen.
3: If, if there are two sides to be taken, if there are two sides to be taken and people take the side of, of Mike Brown, then I, I might give up on fandoms. I really, I really might. Based off of the history of, of what we know of Joe Burrow and what, we, what we've had with Mike Brown as the owner, I, I would just be done.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you think the fan base is going to be upset if they don't even attempt to get T. Higgins?
0: Well, I mean, they've already attempted, right? T's, T's tough.
2: Do you like? What do you think the fan base reaction is going to be if T. Higgins either sits out next season or does whatever he does, the Bengals aren't going to pay him, they make it He's open. a free
0: agent this year. Or like, after this season? Yeah, so he's he's gone after we this season. We tag him. So unless you tag him. you tag him. It would yeah. be the tag,
2: yeah. So if, if he didn't want to play for the tag, he sat out, is what I mean. Do you think they would blame T. Higgins or do you think they would blame the Bengals?
0: No, I think I think they would still blame the Bengals, but I don't think – I don't think that the tag – I think he would sign the tag. Like, that would be best case money-wise. No, 100%. Per, per it would year. Be. I know you want, like, guaranteed years, and obviously you want a longer deal. But that that first tag, like, it's up there right now. It's like $25 million, which is going to be more than what he gets paid from us, probably. Or about the same. So, I don't know. Maybe – if it doesn't get done, Can I throw right. out a hypothetical here and a
1: hypothetical is in it's going to happen this year. I think the Bengals are rightfully trying to buy themselves some time. Why not? I mean, the, the, the Bengals are the ones that really do hold all the leverage when it comes to which guy they're going to sign in regards to these receivers, this, that, and the other. Jamar Chase, of course, is the number one person that, that everybody would say if you had to pick anyone outside of Joe, who do you want to resign? Jamar Chase is probably right at the top of the list. Here's the thing, though. T Higgins is in a spot where, unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't know if his true value is shown based off of what's around him. Joe Burrow's right there, and so is Jamar Chase. He's kind of like this third wheel. We all know how good he is. In fact, I'd argue he's a number one wide receiver. He, he is a number one wide receiver. It just comes down to like, what is, what is it worth to pay that secondary receiver and how much value do you do you truly get out of them? And I think what the Bengals could possibly do this year is this. You have them until the following year if you want to franchise tag them. And they rightfully could. I know people in the chat and I know people around town are going to say, well, trade them. If you can't sign them long-term, trade them. You got to get something back. And I understand that too. And by all means, that might not be a bad move. But what I would like to see if I was a Bengals fan and certainly the front office is what do these guys that they just drafted look like? Because if you start getting big time production out of Charlie or any of these other, what's the kid from Yoshibas. Harvard? Yoshivas. 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 If you get production out of Yoshivas or or Jones or any of these guys, then it makes it a lot easier to swallow trading T. Higgins. If you get again the same thing, you hearken back to the Patriots and you start to think back. Well, you know they all they had the, they just had all these. Wes Welker's, and then they had uh, a Burkhead for a year or two, and then the next thing you know, they had uh, who's the, who's the other guy? They Jillian had Julian Edelman. J- yeah, Edelman. It's like if you could continue to to somehow rinse and repeat and put these guys in the slot, and they start playing out of their minds, then maybe you just ask the question: Is it just is it just a system in Joe Burrow that allows these guys to play over their head, or do you need a number one type wide receiver in T. Higgins to to to, to kind of keep what the magic you have uh, at bay? You got a year to figure that out, to a certain extent, and unless somehow Joe takes a team-friendly deal, I don't think T. Higgins is going to get re-signed. I, you have you have to draw the line somewhere. I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I mean, it's just like you can't sign everyone. So unless Joe takes a cut, and he might, I'm not suggesting he's not, then he's probably the guy that's on the chopping block first. And Ultimately, knowing, quite frankly, the Bengals could use him for two more years before they have to ultimately get rid of him or, or lose him, it makes it, it makes me feel like his extension is probably the last one to get taken care of.
3: I, he,
2: go ahead, sir. Well,
3: I was going to say, to answer the point that, that we're all circling, the the question that Elliot proposed about, or we're going to be upset if, if T. Higgins isn't extended, if, if T. Higgins isn't. I don't think we would be because it all comes down to expectations, and I don't think the Bengals have any expectations on, on truly extending T Higgins. I think we are all just kind of floating around this, you know, this limbo land of where we're like, ah, if, if they can get it done, if it makes sense, then yeah, it's great. But like Trace just said, if there's someone that has to go, it's pretty—it's pretty clear who the man who has to go. It, it, it's number—it's it, 85. It, it's T. What's his new number? Five, five. five. It's just five. It's number five's got—he's got he's to go. He's got to be the first one gone because he's gonna—he's going to be worth 20 million dollars a year as a wide receiver, and we can't afford—if we can't afford to give him that money, then yeah, go make your money elsewhere, T.
0: Now the the cap space situation for next season, which they could wait until he hits free agency and then see what happens, but. It's like $65 million in free cap space, um, and that also includes not signing guys like DJ Reader, Tyler Boyd, and Wuzier. I know I've said that probably a thousand times over this offseason, that they have the money. They want to sign T, but they're going to lose maybe XYZ if they do. So, I mean, the smartest thing for them, honestly, is to probably tack him and just wait and see. The the, the 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 hope is that if you do get a deal done with Burrow and you backload the contract that you can afford to then decide to give T. Higgins a lot of money next year. That way you can then sign Jamar Chase. You keep all the guys. It's just the expectations, like you said, like – for me they've never been that we were going to be able to keep everyone Mm -hmm. and i know joe burrow said it time and time again that he was planning on keeping these guys he wants to keep these guys he's gonna make sure that they're all here it's just hard to do man it's just all all teams struggle all teams struggle you know how they could
1: keep everyone is if and it would take a miracle and i mean a miracle it would require all three guys and by three guys i mean jamar chase t higgins and Joe Burrow to sit in a room and say, well, if you take a little less money and you take a little less money, Joe obviously is going to get paid the most. He'll take the biggest hit of the three. But if they can all sit in a room, quite frankly, and just kind of figure out what it is that they're willing to sacrifice to stay together, they could do that. They they genuinely could do that. Now, that would be unprecedented. That'd be the first time in the history of of, of any kind of sporting – uh, contract situation that that's ever happened. And you know what? There's a first time or everything. So I'm, I'm not here to tell you that that's a hundred percent going to happen, but I'm not going to say it's not going to happen either. Because if there's anything of all three of those guys, they do have, I, I would consider a little bit of a different bond or special bond than most, right? These guys are all come up through the same ranks together. And, uh, certainly, uh, Jamar Chase and, and and Joe Burrow have maybe a little more of a connection than than T would just because they come from the same school. But ultimately, they've been in the same they've been in the same trenches together, and they all see this. They see the same thing that everyone else sees. That at the end of your career, you do have to wonder sometimes what is it that you ultimately want. How much is enough money? And I know that it's easy to spend other people's money. And I know that it's easy to sit here and say, well, you should take less money. This should take less money. This, that, and the other. Joe Burroughs and his God-given right to live in this country he can make as much money as he wants. Same goes with T. Higgins. And by God, T. Higgins, if he wanted to get $20 million a year and go somewhere else, he could. And Jamar Chase could as well. We all know that. But at the end of it, at the end of it, I continue to beg the question of how much money is enough and what do you ultimately want to have over the course of your career? That's why I do think if if those three guys got in there with a rational head, it could get done. It could possibly get done. We're talking a bazooka amount of money anyways. All right, Super Chat. Ricky Logan. If keeping T means winning a Super Bowl, but you lose him in free agency, are you okay with that? Ricky, I think that's the easiest question for me to answer in the entire world. You take the Super Bowl. You take the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is so hard to find. It's so hard to get it requires so many things going right. In fact, as crazy as this sounds, and as as goofy as this all may seem, you have to get lucky to win a championship. You have to get lucky. You have to be great, yes, but there has to be some luck involved, which is the wildest thing we do in sports. Let's be honest. Every single champion had to have something that they just never could have imagined happen to them during their playoff run and or tournament run to win it all. Very rarely, if ever, do you see a team that just steamrolls through everybody and nothing happens and they stay injury free and it's just like no problem. So if you're guaranteeing me a Super Bowl, I'm assuming that you guys will feel the same way. I'm taking the Super Bowl one hundred times out of one hundred.
2: Yeah, if the, if the Bengals win a Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters, really, at that point. You have Joe Burrow. You're going to have Jamar Chase. And other than that, to be quite honest, it doesn't matter. You have a Super Bowl, which to Cincinnati would be worth more than any amount of money. I mean, it just ha- it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened yet in the history of the Bengals. For a small market city, for a sports town that's dying for a championship, dying for one, the Super Bowl would mean more than anything. So, yeah, I'd be okay with that. I'd be letting T walk at that point.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I- yeah, if we win the Super Bowl, then that's the whole goal. That's the whole goal. So if you're asking me what we're doing, yeah, win the Super Bowl. do we'll worry about what happens after.
1: And that brings me to my last point here with the Cincinnati Bengals that I've been saying from time and time and time again, is that yes, I know people don't. <laughs> most people don't want to sacrifice the entire franchise to go all in. But I do wonder sometimes if you're playing this really fine a a finite edge of a game that is we want to be really good right we want to be really good but we don't really want to go out and get xyz piece that might jeopardize years three four five down the line when in reality what you just said and what everybody traditionally agrees with is that if you get a super bowl who cares what happens in the next two or three or four years i mean yeah you do care on the back end to a small extent but you got the super bowl forever man you got the Super Bowl forever. All the jokes that the Bengals franchise have had to endure of, well, how many Super Bowls have you won? <laughs> goes away. It goes away. So, I get people are gonna make fun of me and say, oh, there goes Trace again, you know, running back this, and you know, uh, you know, oh, don't, 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 uh, don't, don't trade everybody and do this, that, and the other. I don't know, man. I think that the Bengals this year and the year after, this year and the year after, have as good of a chance as anybody to win the Super Bowl, and. You just never guaranteed anything. You are never guaranteed anything, especially in the NFL. All right. You saw Um, what the Rams
2: did. The Rams did exactly that. They went all in. They traded every single draft pick they've ever had. Uh, They won a Super Bowl, and it worked. Now, that's a little bit different because they don't have any fans in Los Angeles. But at the same time, the franchise has a Super Bowl because they went all in.
1: Yeah, and the other point people are going to make is like, well, the Bengals were, were one play away from beating the Rams. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. That's the luck I'm talking about. It requires luck to win the Super Bowl.
2: Well, the refs rigged that game,
1: but yeah. yeah. Well, that's my point. I mean, there's a million, the Saints fans are probably screaming and yelling right now too that they could have won a Super Bowl if they didn't have the worst pass interference call in the history of pass interference called not called. It takes luck, period. You got to be good. Some may say you've got to be great, but it takes luck. Speaking of luck, some say the Cincinnati Reds are lucky. Uh, I don't know if they are. I do know this. Uh, the show's obviously going to end a-, a little bit early today. But I just want you to think about all the names that really have allowed this team a chance to even be in the position they're in. I mean, genuinely, this doesn't make sense. Are we really appreciating it for what it's worth? I don't know. It definitely feels like, you know how they say, I wish I knew what the good times were when the good times were going. That's kind of how I feel as a Reds fan right now. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in five years I'll look back at this season and I'll think, oh, that was just the start of what was unbelievable baseball. That, really, we, that wasn't a big deal at all. I don't know. There's something magical about having no expectations and then exceeding those expectations and continuing. Just enjoy watching a product that you never expected. I enjoy surprises, good surprises, obviously in life. I do. There's nothing better in life, quite frankly, than to randomly walk down the street and find a hundred dollar bill laying in the ground. That's what this red team is. That's who they are. Like it or not. If you want to be the guy that sits there and says, I seen this coming. This is what they could be every year if they just made the right moves. Okay, that's fine. Be that person. Be miserable. Be miserable (laughs) your whole life. But I'm not going to do that. I know what this is. This is a rebuild. This is the start of a rebuild. This is a bunch of young guys that, quite frankly, had no idea who they were, what they were going to be, when they were going to come up. Connor Phillips is making emergency MLB debut starts. And they're continuing to find ways to win. I don't know what's going to happen and neither do you, but at this point, if you're in a position where you allow this team to get under your skin or this team to make you really, really mad, I would just tell you to relax, take a deep breath, step back, realize that it's just probably not supposed to be if that's how it goes. But you know what? Every time I feel like that might be the case, they find a way to come back. Nick Martini. In the bottom of the ninth against the Chicago Cubs, literally, literally, literally saved the season. Thanks and then he mind. does it again two days later, three days later. Here's my last point about the Cincinnati reds. If you want to start believing, let's check the schedules. Casey has the strength to schedule of basically every MLB team left. When Casey puts this up there, I want to read this off to you. Essentially you have teams that are remaining that are relatively worthwhile and you have teams that are remaining that obviously are considered easy. We all know how this goes. Just because you play somebody easy doesn't mean it's a win. And just because you play somebody tough doesn't mean it's a loss. The thing about it is, is that when you look at it though, and you use your brain for half a second, you got the San Francisco Giants who are playing absolutely abysmal baseball. They have to play the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks. Oh, who are we chasing? We're chasing the Cubs. We're chasing the, the, the we're not chasing anymore, but we're, we're fighting against the Diamondbacks. Then they have the Padres who, by the way, many people argue are really good. Just ask them. They're great. <laughs> Padres are the best team in baseball, some may say. And then they have the Guardians, which is a not a bad team. The Reds, we've talked about it time and time again. Got one left in Seattle. Got a three game set with the Twins left. And then you got St. Louis, Detroit, Pittsburgh, the Mets, and the Guardians.
0: I'm going to shorten it to NL, just let you know.
1: Go ahead. Make it simple. There we go. Look at that. Of all the teams that have the toughest schedule left, look where the Reds rank. They're at the bottom. And by the bottom, that means good. Poor Washington. Tough tough sledding for them. But, the, but let's be honest. The Marlins. The Miami Marlins are the team that probably has the best chance, in my opinion, to stay up with us. And the truth is, is because if they tie us, they beat us. They tie us. They beat us. But they have a tough stretch, ladies and gentlemen. And it doesn't mean that they're going to fall apart. But goodness gracious, they got the, they got the Braves. Maybe the best team in baseball. Probably the best team in baseball. They got the Dodgers. Without question, you could argue is the second best team. And if you don't think they're the second best team, you can make the case that the Brewers are the second best team. And they got 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 against all three of those teams. Then they play the Phillies. And then they got Pittsburgh and the Mets. I'm not suggesting for one second that it's a guarantee. Because it's a not. It's not a guarantee, but they have the best chance. I don't care what the, I don't care what the analytics say. I don't care what the statistics say. And if I have to do the song and dance again, like you've heard me say time and time again, the same analytical bunch and the same statistical bunch told you that the St. Louis Cardinals were going to win the NL central basically through mid-May, how that worked out for them, the reds. Could fall apart. Yes, they could. But you're not going to convince me, ever, that they don't have the best chance to make the postseason. Does it mean that they should? No. Let's not get it twisted around here. Does it mean that you should get upset at the rookies and you should bang your head on the on the uh, the pavement and or slam your your fist on the desk? Or old man goes out and yells at Cloud because this team didn't make the postseason when they should have? They had the best chances. This, that, and the other. No. That would just be being a hater. But you should start believing if you haven't already. You should start believing. Because this team, like it or not, they're not supposed to be here. They don't have guys that are supposed to be here. They're relying on guys, quite frankly, that were pitching an indie ball a few years ago. Hell, not a few years ago. This past year. Got guys like Nick Martini digging them out of the grave. I'm here for it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm begging you to enjoy it, too.
2: Can I read some of the names real quick? Please do. Some of the pitchers. So this is what the Reds have been throwing out this year. And we'll start with the most recent one, Carson Spears. Shout out Carson Spears. You don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. Nobody knows who he is. He started a game. He actually pitched okay. Silvino Bracho. He He pitched in five games for the Reds this season. Eduardo Salazar, people forget about him. He blew a couple games. He had an ADRA in eight games this season. Alan Business, he played in five games. Michael Marriott, God rest his soul, he's gone now. He played, in, he played in one game, he pitched his heart out. We got Shreve back up, he's pitched in two. Tony, my guy Fat Tony, shout out Tony Santiani. he's pitched in three games. Ricky Karcher, do you remember the Ricky Karcher game? Do you know who Ricky Karcher is? No, you don't, nobody does. Joel Kuhnel was up this season. He pitched in two games, 8 ERA. Luke Maley, Luke Maley, your catcher, your third-string catcher, pitched in four games this season, 16 ERA. Former Cub and career bum Alec Mills, he pitched in a game this year, had an 18 ERA to exit the season. Jason Vossler. Remember Jason Vossler? He wasn't just a first baseman. He pitched in two games. He had a 4-5 ERA. Jake Wong. You remember the Jake Wong era? You know who Jake Wong is? I still don't know who Jake Wong is. I had to double check. I had to look him up again to make sure this was right. He pitched in one game. He has a 9 ERA. Shout out my guy Jake Wong. He gave up three runs. I think that was the rain. I think, you know what? I think that was the rainout game in Baltimore. I think that's when Jake Wong pitched. And finally, we have Randy Wynn. God bless Randy Wynn. He came in for one magical game that you'll never forget. And you'll certainly never remember him. I mean, these are the guys that the Reds have been throwing out. Uh, outside of the bullpen, outside of guys like Derek Law and Buck Farmer. I mean, it's just like it's just, it's just a crazy season. I mean, I thought the bullpen was going to be the worst part of this team coming into the season. They've been objectively the best. I still don't trust any of them, but they've been objectively the best. The offense, you don't expect every single rookie to come up and produce. Noel v. Marte, my guy, I'm glad Jacob Tissett's back in Alabama with Nick Saban uh, because he would be doing a victory lap right now. Noel v. Marte looks damn good. Nolvi Marte looks like a damn good player right now, and he's and he's taking my guy Jonathan India's spot. Jonathan Diaz hasn't been here for two months, and it's just like you haven't even noticed him. You haven't even noticed his absence. So the Reds, the Reds right now are on a magical run. I'm very, very excited. Uh, September baseball is here. I Listen, I, I think if you look at it, I think the Reds have a very good chance. I think Reed told me before the show they have now a 29% chance to make the postseason. I would say it's more. I would say it's more. They just stole a series from the Seattle Mariners. A series they had no business winning. They stole that game yesterday. They should be in handcuffs. Tho- stole it right from their hands. And and this is what you're dealing with. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very happy right now. That's all I had to say. Jake Wong, shout out.
1: Fair enough. Uh, Ohio Laker, I'm going to send out a special prayer to him. He's been mad at a lot of the day today. I don't know if things are going bad or wrong. I, I, if I could send a super chat to you, I would, Ohio Laker. Um as far as us being uh, mad or yelling about Nick Crawl, I don't. He must This is the wrong program for that. Uh, Nick Crawl has, has done about as good of a job as you could do. But you know who else has done a good job that we need to give credit to, and by God, you should too. I get it. You might be like, "Oh, Trace, don't do there, don't go there. I hate that." Uh, David Bell. Okay, you can't sit here yep. and play at both sides of yep. the aisle. You can't play at both sides of the aisle. If you're gonna sit here and say David Bell is terrible, this, this, that, and the other. The dude's managing
2: what? Do you want me to reread the names? I mean, how many times do you have to hate on this guy? He's starting Jake Wong out there. I don't know who Jake Wong is. I mean, it's crazy, Trace. It's crazy. David Bell gets criticized for having to play Kevin Newman, Stuart Fairchild, and TJ Hopkins every day. I mean, it's just like, give the guy a little bit of some slack here. People make fun of me for my take today. I said he's done more good than bad. Objectively, that's been true. I say the word objectively, put a dollar in the jar. Objectively, David Bell has done more good than bad this season. If it's not for David Bell, I'd argue the Reds are in a very bad place right now. They're they're probably 10 games below 500. So shout out to David Bell.
1: You know, David Bell has two things that I come to appreciate with him. One, Nick Kirby points this out. He is prepared. Like it or not, he's prepared. And you know how he's prepared? And I, I, I get it. Maybe we're giving him too much credit, this, that, and the other. But every time he comes out for a pitching change, he pulls out of his back pocket a defensive card for every hitter in the lineup, for every pitcher that's on that staff. Say whatever you want. That doesn't happen everywhere. That just doesn't happen everywhere. Um, the second thing is this: I think he's built a clubhouse that is a little less toxic's not the right word. Pressure's probably the right word. There's just I think he he's able to to take the pressure off some of these guys. And for many times, what I would love for him to scream and yell this, that, and the other, or get a little more passionate. I think when you have a little bit more of a laid back approach, it allows some guys, everybody can get coached differently. Some guys you do need to scream at. That's what gets That's what gets the message across. There's other guys that are so hard on themselves that you don't need to say a word. If anything, you actually need to, you need to pump them up. You need to tell them how good they are. You need to remind them that they're good. Tyler Stevenson had some point need to be reminded this year that he was a good player and he still can be a good player. And I don't know who told him, but thank God you told him. Because Tyler Stevenson, right now, is a baseball player that allows his team to go to another level. It's as simple as that. All right. To finish out the day, we got some news. One is our boy Casey McAllister. Casey, I don't know if you want me to intro this, but I think I'm going to pass the torch to you. You have built what is a show. That show is soon. Soon as in
0: today. Today.
1: Tell us about it.
0: Yeah, so I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, I just can't wait no more to talk about this show. Um, One of our favorite interns and I have decided to start our own show all about NFL. Starts today at 730. Um, We're excited, man. Uh, It's going to be breaking down every single football game. We're going to be talking about keys to those games, betting. We're going to be talking about fantasy football. The whole nine yards, okay? It's going to be all things NFL. If you are a big fan of the NFL, I implore you to check us out every Wednesday, 730. Mac and JT, the show on Wednesday nights for Chatterbox Sports. There you
1: go. We got it covered, man. We got it covered. I'll tell you right now, there's, there's almost, uh, some would say, too much content on our channel. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I knew know this. Could you do me a favor? We got 202 people in here. That might be a record for me hosting this show. I don't know where y'all come from, but I do appreciate you joining us. We're here Monday through Friday, every single day from 10 A to 12 P. B. All right. That's pretty good. Do me a favor, though, if you've not done this already. Subscribe to the channel. We're, like, really close to 10K. All right, we're really close to 10k. I feel like that's a really cool marker. If we could get to 10,000 subscribers, if you got burner accounts that you haven't subscribed to the channel to, go ahead and do it now. All right, we know we got a lot of OGs in here. out house g- cop. There's a good chance. There's a good chance that many of you have already subscribed and turned the notification bell on. If you haven't though, please do so. We probably need to do a bunch better job of of saying that. For those that watch this show after, please subscribe to the channel as well. All right. I don't know how all these things work. Okay. For some some ridiculous reason, YouTube likes people liking videos. They like people subscribing to channels and somehow the algorithm works and it starts showing your stuff to more people. The more people this gets shown to, the more give a good chance we get to hire more people around here. The more we hire, the better chance you have to have better content. Okay. That's how this is. So all I ask is that you like the video, you like the stream. All right. We have 58 likes. I think we could do a little bit better than that and please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, for those that are keeping track, um, not me, but for those that are, on Mondays, okay, on Mondays you have this show in the morning, and why am I drawing a blank? We're 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 possibly going to have uh, if you like high school sports, we do we do we, we do the coaches' shows.
3: Asking about our schedule, so on Tuesday we have this show in the morning, then we have Kasky's Clicker. <laughs> That's
1: on Tuesdays. Yeah, on
3: Tuesdays. on t- on Wednesdays we will have this yesterday. show, and then Mac and JT. Yep. And then any time that the Bengals play, we'll have uh, Chatterbox Bengals that, that takes off. So that'll be on Sunday. And then, of course, Chatterbox Reds as long as their season continues. So that's our, that's our schedule.
1: Love that. Thank you, Reed, for helping me out there. You're welcome. For some reason, I thought we had a Monday night show, but I was just thinking maybe Chatterbox Bengals. So Chatterbox Bengals are going to debut here on Sunday. Um, Kasky's Clicker, obviously, is every Tuesday. And I'll tell you what, I'll be honest. I tuned into Cassie's Clicker for a minute. I was watching the Reds game last night. I learned some stuff from football. Like I, I actually, I'm not and I, you know, I know, you know, all of our shows are great. This, that, and the next, but I am excited to see what that looks like when the actual season gets going. And there's some meaningful plays that people care about and actually learning the X's and O's of that. I, I'm more of a casual football fan. Obviously. I don't know all the different things, the, the, the Mike linebacker and the Sam linebacker and things of that nature. Um, like small, somewhat understand it. But my main point is I'm a casual watching that show. Uh, I feel like I actually learned something. It's kind of enjoyable. So tune in to uh, to Casey and our, our our main man down in the old down in the old Tuscaloosa, Alabama, down in Roll Tide country. That's <laughs> what it is. Yeah, Jacob, Jacob and uh, and Casey are gonna do their show tonight. All right. Read uh, top five. We got to read top uh, well, five. Yeah, let me do the show. Well, I don't. I thought well, you. you I, let I, me do the show. I don't know. It sounded I like mean, you were gonna cut off a little early. Six, I'm getting ready to do the United Dairy Farmers cherry on top, and sure enough, I didn't know where you were going. The gun. I didn't know where None you, you were going than Elliot. It didn't look good. It, I'm not gonna lie. I was. I was underwhelmed with uh,
3: where that
2: was going. I so thought, I, thought, I, I,
3: I thought we were gonna end the show that, with with th- no ad reads. Thank you. Thank you. So nobody knows
2: what's going on when you're hosting. So I was just trying to trying to give you a little bit of a path here. I was just trying to give you a little bit of a path nobody knows what's going
1: on when i host and the reason that that's the case is because one you know here's the real reason we're going to do an hour show today because we do need to do some planning we need to come up with some some segments on this show make this show better the other thing is your boy here late was doing was doing a show late last night and sure enough old old Oh, producer one and producer two, come in here, rolling in here at like nine ten in the morning. I'm in here pecking away at my keyboard. El- Elliot's getting on my case, so now I'm getting on his case. No, now, I, that's, I, fine, now, now, that's now, fine. That's fine.
2: That's fine. I listen. You give me a you give me a list of ta- of tasks that I can accomplish when I come in here in the morning, and I'll accomplish them. So we'll do that, and we'll start doing that every morning now. And I'll and I'll finish each task <laughs> swiftly, swiftly and true. That's what I'll do. Just call me swiftly and true.
1: Love it. All right, we do have ad reads. Uh, We do have ad reads. Casey McCollister will read those in just a minute. But what I do want to do before we do the ad reads is I do want to do the United Dairy Farmers Cherry on Top, which is a top five list from your boy, Reed Mouse. I don't know where this is going to go. We'll see (laughs) what it is. But this is the UDF (laughs) Cherry on Top.
3: Thanks for that great introduction, Trace. The good thing about whenever Trace introduces a topic that I that I uh, ask for, he he gives it a lot of confidence before he brings it over here. Yes. He's like he always he always pumps it up. He never he never disparages it. But luckily for him, I'm not sure how this one's gonna go. Sometimes we we do a top five list and we have a very streamed idea. We we know it's gonna be a fun bit. We know it's gonna be all good and dandy. Today is not one of those bits. Not a whole lot of confidence in this one. But I feel like out of the 200 people that are watching this, there's gonna be. <laughs> A small selection of you guys that will absolutely love this list it is nonsensical as they normally are but let's just go ahead and dive in it's not a top five list per se instead I was thinking you know we were at the Bearcat bash last Saturday hearing a lot of you know DJ music we were around all these college kids and hearing all these songs took me back to a place back when I was in college and, and hearing all this music so Without further ado, the nonsensical list of the day is this is a starting lineup of songs from frat houses, frat songs, from a guy who's never been to a frat party. So these are songs that are exclusively from people that went to college for the past 10 years. If you have been to college in the past 10 years, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Leading off for this starting lineup is... I mean, how can you have a frat song and not bring up the, the king of frat music, which is none other than Mac Miller. So you need to have a little bit of speed, Mac Miller. I don't think anybody in this room is, is a Mac Miller fan. Maybe Elliot. I am. May, maybe yep. Elliot. But you got to go with the spins. The spins. Follow your dreams. So that's our leadoff hitter. Batting in the two-hole, you got to have a good contact player. So coming into the two-hole, another popular song from the past decade, we've got Jordan Belfort. Mm. Mm. Belfur, just a terrible, terrible song. Coming in at number three, this is a song that me and Elliot both, both love. Yep. We, we have an admiration for, for this song. This is the, the greatest song of all time. If, if, if you like music, it is none other than in 2014, Cherub came together and brought, put together the greatest song of all time. It is Doses and Mimosas. Yes. What a beautiful, beautiful song. If you've never heard any of these songs... You gotta listen to them because it just gets you in the right vibes. It's what I listen to on my way into every day. Batting cleanup. You gotta have some pop out of the bat. Gotta have some pop. You got Mo Bamba by Sheck Wes coming in at number five. This is where we're gonna get into Trace's music.
0: What?
1: <laughs> Never heard of these songs in my life. Well, not
3: quite yet. We, we, we talked about Jacob Tissett, so why might as well talk about Jacob Tissett? Post Malone's coming out song, White Iverson. Another beautiful, beautiful song that has been played to death in Delta Kappa Thai Gamma Poopa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just when I thought this segment was not that great. He reels it back in and pulls you bad, right it's back a to bad the segment. Top. It's a
3: bad segment, but this is what happens. If you watch Saturday Night Live, they're not all winners. They're not all winners. That's right. <laughs> so we got to have some bad ones. I don't know what going to college in 2008 was like, but if I had to imagine anything, it was Astro Roth's I Love College. There was a terrible genre of music from 2008 to 2014 where it was just white dudes that have no business doing hip-hop making terrible songs, and Astro Roth led it. I liken him to the Joey Votto in the lineup. Batting 7th. No Hands by Waka Flocka Flame. Let's round out this terrible segment. Number eight, Broccoli by Dram. If you've never seen the music video, it's a guy sitting in a creek, playing a piano, and slapping a girl's butt behind him. Beautiful. And ninth and last coming out of this lineup is Mike Stud's Batter Up. So that's the starting lineup of frat songs. Thank you for indulging in this terrible segment. Thank you for pushing this segment, Elliot. I really, I really wanted to do this. So thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. That. Where was Mr. Brightside? So this is, this is the thing about Mr. Brightside. Mr. Brightside is the Bo Jackson of the lineup. It, it, it is a generational talent, you know, but okay. it, it, it has problem playing another sport. It's also white people music. So it doesn't fully get into the frat. Okay. It's, if, if it focused its attention towards one, it would be the best song in the lineup. Okay, and what about unwritten? Where was unwritten? Not unwritten, but starting lineup, but the starting pitcher for today is closer by the chain smokers and Halsey. So, <laughs> that's who's starting and going seven innings. All right, I like it. Thanks. That was a good list. That's a good list.
1: Trace? Every team needs a Kevin Newman, right? You can't have all Matt McClain's or Ellie Daylock Cruz's. So, today, you got the Kevin Newman of Stinkless, and or Stinkless, is in just the top five list that wasn't a top five Ouch. list it wasn't a five list at all it was a starting lineup of a list but you know lineup. what's funny about all that is i know that the amount of work that that took by reed mouse to do and you have to appreciate that if anything you got to appreciate the work that went into it there's a lot of else work that needs to get done around here right it
2: took about five minutes by the way what It, it took about five minutes
1: well Five minutes is still five (laughs) minutes. When you're laying on your deathbed, you always wish you had just five more minutes. I guess. So that's where we're at.
2: Here's the thing. Unless they're really sick. Here's the thing.
1: (laughs) Golly day, (laughs) where are we going on this show? We were doing so good until now. (laughs) We have a lot to do around here. One of them is a golf video. We need to finish it because we still need to play some golf. So we need to finish it before we play more golf. So we need to do that. I need to get that done. I have an opener that I've been telling the, 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 the Reds chat community that I had done, and it is done, but it just needs some final finishing touches on it, so I need to get that done. The studio is half finished. Obviously, you've seen the new deal here with, with our, our boy Casey. Uh, when Tom gets back, we plan on having kind of a full house, so we kind of are working on that. We need to get a green screen in here because we want to do some more segments. It involves a green screen, and we need to just make the show a little bit better. In order to make this show better, you need time. The only way to create time around here, quite frankly, is to steal from something else, unfortunately we're going to steal a little bit of time away from this show because believe it or not, when the show's over, there's a million things we have to get done right after the show to keep things moving. One is upload all the podcast stuff, keep clips, all the, the, the things that you could care less of what we do after the show. So I'll stop saying, it. but I just want to say <laughs> thank you for watching the show. Many of you are so loyal to us, and I just don't know why, but you know what? You continue to do it, and we're going to continue to thank you. We do need a Nick Martini shirt. I do understand that. We'd probably need other shirts. We understand that. But at some point, our merch store will match who we are as a company. Hopefully, it will become a lead at some point. Without further ado, watch Casey's show tonight, will you? All right, will you? What time's that going to go live, Casey? 7.30. 7.30. You heard the man. The Cincinnati Reds, hopefully they can find a way to sweep the Mariners. And just by saying that, that's absolutely ridiculous that we're saying that they might sweep the Mariners. Until then, and until tomorrow, this is me signing off, saying I love you, and we'll do the ad reads tomorrow. Take care, everybody. (laughs)